Well, hey, uh, New City, great to be with you this morning. If you haven't met me before, my name is Ben Harris, and I am the pastor here at New City Church. Um, It's awesome to be together with everybody as a church family, and if you're here with us for the first time, we are super glad to have you around as well. Um, Just want to let you know, normally, under normal circumstances, we gather together at 10 a.m. at Bayside High School in Palm Bay, and as things return to normalcy, we would love to have you join us at that time, but uh, would love to have you join us on Facebook Live each week as well. Um, As you saw a minute ago, we were trying to share with you our kids' lesson. Um, It got a little frozen on our end, and so as soon as our broadcast of the worship service is done this morning, we'll go ahead and put that up on the Facebook screen for you so you can watch that um, a little bit later on. But at this time, if you brought your Bible or if you've got your sermon guide or your kids' sermon guide that we included in the email this week, pull that out. Um, We're going to head to the book of Mark this morning, Mark chapter 5, and we'll be reading starting in verse 21 in just a second. Um, Today we are in week three of a five-week series that we've been calling From Death to Life. Um, As we are being reminded from the scripture, both Old Testament and New, as we survey different stories of resurrection taking place, we are reminded that the same power And the same love that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us, empowers us, cares for us. And that is good news that we need right now. And we'll continue to go through this story until we hit Easter Sunday and ultimately get to look at the actual resurrection story of Jesus. This week, this morning, as we're in Mark chapter 5, what we're going to see is Jesus in power and in love heal a sick woman. But then at the same time, he's going to literally bring a little girl back to life from the dead. You know, of the, of the many stories that have been breaking this week, of the statistics and the numbers that we're hearing, um, two stories have really uh, broken my heart this week. Uh, and maybe you saw them, maybe you heard about them, but I think it's helpful for us to get past the numbers sometimes and, and help to see these are real people that real things are happening to. So maybe we don't know that person personally, but as I hear these stories, it calls me to prayer. Um, it calls me to trust in God rather than being anxious. Um, but one story that I, that I read about this week was a healthcare worker in Georgia who contracted the virus and went home. And uh, when they went by to check on her later in the day, they found that she had actually passed away from the virus, but she had a five-year-old child um, that was sitting there with her. Just a, a, an awful story. Um, we saw another story of a father, healthy man, no uh, medical issues, 44 years old, father of six, um, was a kindergarten teacher uh, at his church and also passed away from the virus. Um, this is real. This is where we're at as not just as a city or as a nation, but as a world at the moment. And as we hear this, this bad news, you know, everybody's looking for good news and there is a lot of good news out there. But what we've got to draw near to most of all is the good news of the gospel. The good news of what Mark chapter 5 tells us, that Jesus, God, the Son of God, has conquered already illness, has conquered sin and Satan and death, and has made the good news of eternal life in Him available to all of us. And so this morning, we want to go to God's powerful, inerrant Word, the good news. So will you go with me now to the book of Mark? Let's look at chapter 5, and we're just going to read to begin verses 21 through 24. Take a look at that with me. I'll be reading the English Standard Version this morning. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. 
and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Let's take a moment and let's open once again in a word of prayer as we go to the scripture this morning to apply it to our lives. Heavenly Father, Lord, we lift up these two families that I just shared stories about, as well as so many other families and and people, Lord, who are grieving this morning as they're concerned about family and friends who are ill or they're dealing with a loss already, Father. And we pray that you would lift them up, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit's grace and power, that you would bring the comfort that only the good news of the gospel brings. We continue to pray for healing, but Lord, we look to you as the author of life, as the conqueror of death. So Father, as we open your word this morning, Lord, would you apply it to our lives? Would you give us boldness and trust and deeper faith in you, Lord, to trust you in any and all circumstances? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Four applications about real faith that I want to give you guys this morning from God's word in Mark chapter 5. Those four uh, applications are this. Number one, real faith trusts Jesus with the most important things. Number two, real faith responds to Jesus' work and word. Number three, real faith waits patiently on Jesus. And number four, real faith believes in Jesus for life and salvation. So number one, kicking it off, real faith trusts Jesus with the most important things. You see here that the very first thing in this story is actually a crowd. And the crowd kind of shows us the opposite of faith. The crowds wanted a show, not a savior. The crowds were eager to watch another miracle, but they were not eager to actually engage with Jesus because they did not yet recognize their need for a savior. See, the word had spread that Jesus was doing amazing things, but this reminds us that being a spectator of Jesus is not real faith, right? Real faith trusts Jesus with our lives, trusts Jesus with our families, trusts Jesus with our eternity. So just before this story at the beginning of Mark chapter 5, Jesus had just come to another crowd and that crowd had rejected him and said, please go. Because Jesus had just healed a man possessed of a demon. They didn't want Jesus messing with their lives. And so they said, please go. But now Jesus will encounter one man named Jairus, who's going to say to Jesus, please come, please come. Jairus was looking for Jesus to save his daughter from dying. Jairus was a a devoted uh, religious leader in the Jewish synagogue, the scripture tells us, and we can assume probably a morally respectable guy, uh, as well as probably a prominent wealthy member of that city. But he doesn't yet know Jesus as savior. But nonetheless, he falls at the feet of Jesus and cries out for help. I love that. He's desperate and he believes that Jesus can heal his daughter. He says, if you will just lay your hands on my daughter, then I know she will be well. Jairus had to trust Jesus with the most important things. Jairus had to face the fact that his little girl was probably going to die. You know, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke also record this same story. And Luke, the book of Luke tells us that his daughter was 12 years old. And it also tells us that she was his only child. 
His insides are churning like so many parents who have had to watch their children suffer. You know, I love my children. I love my two little girls and I love my little boy. You know, my wife and my children are literally the most valuable, blessed, precious possession that that I have on earth. And I can tell you for sure, I've already made a career out of being a cautious, overprotective dad. And and with all the circumstances happening in the world right now, um, my overprotectiveness has gone to like DEFCON 1. Um, Like the rest of the world, uh, earlier this week, um, we were watching Amazon Prime at night, just catching a video. And um, we were watching a movie from 2004 called Crash. Maybe you've watched it. Um, But there's this really terrifying scene, right, where a a father sees his only little girl actually get shot. And uh, just the pain and the anguish in his face until he realizes that what was fired was a blank and he realizes that she's actually completely fine. And the actor there, Michael Pena, his face just shows it all, the anguish and the concern over his child and then the joy of knowing that she's fine, that she's safe, that she is okay. Followers of Jesus, we have got to trust Jesus right now in the midst of difficult circumstances. We've got to trust him with the most important of things. You know, maybe you're listening today and you've, you've never trusted Jesus. You've never trusted him with your life, with your salvation. And maybe this week over the last few days, you've kind of realized that a lot of the things that you've put your trust in are not really worthy of that level of trust. You've put your, you've staked your life on these things and you realize they're letting you down already. Money and power and circumstances are not enough. Let me just point out one more thing from this part of the story to you this morning. Jesus dropped what he was doing and he went with Jairus to save his daughter. This should not be surprising to us, right? Because Jesus is the savior, but it's incredible here that it's not just Jesus' power that's gonna be on display, it's his love and it's his compassion for us that's on display because he stopped what he was doing. He pushed past the crowds that wanted to see a show and he made himself personally available. Understand that Jesus is personally available to you today, right now, wherever you are, that you can call upon him in prayer and say, Jesus, rescue me. I put my trust in you for the most important things. Amen. Number two, real faith also responds to Jesus' work and his word. The scripture says this, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
Notice here that the first miracle is actually going to now get interrupted by a second miracle, but it's actually going to make both miracles all the more glorious. So the crowd is pressing in on Jesus and they, they walk as they walk to Jairus's home. This was the perfect opportunity for this woman to, to sneak in and go unnoticed, touch Jesus and hopefully be healed. See, what we hear about the woman right off the bat is, is that the woman had suffered under both her disease and she had suffered under her cure. She had suffered for 12 years. And again, the book of Luke, Luke was a doctor and Luke tells us that her illness was incurable and that nobody could help her except Jesus, right? No medical professionals could help her. No government could help her. Nobody could help her. There's an application in there somewhere for us today. You know, she had exhausted her money seeking a cure. Uh, She had been cut off socially and religiously from the community because of her illness. She is essentially on a permanent social distancing order. But I love here what we're seeing. Not only a prominent leader can find hope from Jesus uh, regarding illness, but here also this poor and sick woman has access to the hope and the healing of Jesus access to new life. And that woman believed that Jesus could heal her physically. She seems to initially be approaching Jesus somewhat superstitiously. She wanted to get healed and then she wanted to basically disappear. But Luke tells us that she touched not just even his garment, but that she literally only touched one tassel of his garment, but genuinely believed. She said, if I touch just his clothes, I shall be made well. And we see here, Jesus healed her illness by his power. For the first time in Mark, the word power here is a word called dunamis. And it's the Greek word from which we get our English word dynamite. And therein lies the power of God, that dynamite power. But Jesus also wanted to heal her spiritually. She thought, Jesus will never notice me. She thought, but he did notice her. He searched her out. He put her before the crowds. He put her before the disciples. He even put her before Jairus and Jairus's daughter to seek her and call her out. And he calls her to go public with her faith. Scripture says that she also fell down before Jesus and she told him the whole truth. See, the woman responded to Jesus' work and now to Jesus' word. He didn't leave her in her superstition. He didn't leave her just seeking a physical cure. She thought maybe she could manage Jesus' power, but you cannot control Jesus. You cannot control Jesus' power. Jesus is saying, now that you know this, you can enter into a life-transforming relationship with me. So he says to her, your faith has made you well. He calls her daughter. Hear the word of God. The same good news that she is, her eyes are being opened to is the same word that we have in scripture like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. We are called in faith to respond to Jesus' work and his word. Number three, real faith waits patiently on Jesus. The scripture says this in verse 35 and 36. 
While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. I love here, you know, Jesus was not rushed because Jesus was powerful over sickness and death. Imagine, though, the annoyance and the frustration of the disciples. Jesus, what are you doing? Do you understand the urgency of the situation? Imagine, though, the anger of the father, Jairus. You know, in a situation like this, if this were an emergency room scene, this would not just be irresponsible to take care of the sick woman first and leave the child who's about to die. It would be malpractice. This father has got to be irate, and yet Jesus calls him to faith. The messenger says, don't bother the teacher. Uh, There's nothing you can do. His daughter is already dead. See, because these people have no faith. The crowd has no faith or expectation that Jesus could do anything about death. But what is more important, what is most important is the power of Jesus revealed here in his patience. God's timing and God's plan will confound our timing and our plan. But Jesus here ignores the words of doubt, ignores the words of disbelief, and so should we. We can ignore the words of doubt. We can ignore the words of disbelief and trust in his powerful word because Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. Jesus is saying, I'm more powerful than your timing. I'm more powerful than the circumstances that you see. I'm more powerful than fear. I'm more powerful than illness. I'm more powerful than your sin. And I'm more powerful than the power of death. You know, the history of the Bible, the history of redemption is the story of God's people being in desperate, even hopeless situations and by faith calling out to God and God delivering them over and over and over again. So brothers, sisters in Christ, real faith waits patiently on Jesus, even in difficult circumstances. You know, when God delays his grace and and seems to be committing malpractice by our limited viewpoint, remember that we do not have all the information, but God does, and we can trust him. If we take seriously the promise of Romans chapter eight, that in times of trouble, we can realize that God is in control. Then we can look back at at our anger or our frustration or our lack of trust in God and recognize that there's a lot of pride that we can lay down and say, God, I trust you by faith today. Forgive me for those times when I have not trusted you. I can be settled. I can be calm knowing that you're a good God and in control. And so maybe this morning, God is reminding us that he is the savior king. And maybe there are places that we need to kneel down before him afresh and take off our crown and say, Lord, you are in control once again of my life. I lay down all of my control at your feet, King Jesus. Fourth and finally, fourth application for us this morning, real faith believes in Jesus for life and salvation. Look at the scripture with me one more time. This is verse 37 through 43. 
And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus brings the little girl back to life. Some told Jesus, don't bother. There's nothing you can do. Some are weeping in sadness and anguish over death. Others, we're told here, are literally laughing at Jesus. They had no faith in Jesus' ability to bring this little girl back to life. But in steps Jesus. Jesus takes her by the hand, says, Talitha Kumi, which is just like every experience for every parent who is waking their child up to get ready for school in the morning to say, literally, honey, it's time to get up. And that child got up. Jesus' actions here are not just powerful, they're loving. Jesus is saying to us, if I have you by the hand, then death cannot conquer you. If I have you by the hand, death itself is nothing but sleep. Real faith, guys, means giving your whole life to Jesus. He brought life to a woman who could not be cured. He brought life to a father who was told that he could no longer be helped. He brought life to a little girl who was literally dead. Jesus brings life and he calls you to trust him with your entire life. I want to share with you a quote from Tim Keller. This is in his book, King's Cross, that walks through the whole book of Mark. And he says this about this specific story. He says, be aware that when you go to Jesus for help, you will both give to and get from him far more than you ever bargained for. I love that. Thinking about Jairus and this sick woman, Jairus came to Jesus simply looking for a cure to his daughter's illness. And he instead got a front row seat to seeing his own daughter resurrected from the dead. He got way more than he ever expected. But Jesus demanded trust and faith in the face of the news that his daughter was already dead. The resurrection demanded his faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Thinking about the sick woman, she just wanted to touch his garment and then sneak away unnoticed. By faith, she was healed. But Jesus wanted her to understand the truth of real faith because real faith is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as the Savior, not just from illness, but from sin and from death that brings eternity with Jesus. And Jesus wanted her to go public with her faith to share with others that she had been healed by Jesus, that she believed in him. Where is God asking you to trust in him? 
Is he calling you afresh to give your life to him? Is he calling you to trust him maybe for the first time with salvation from sin and death? Because here's the reality of the story. Jesus, the son of God, gave up his power, gave up his life to give you life. Second Corinthians chapter 13 says, for he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. There's not much more fearful than for a little child to lose the hand of a parent in a scary situation. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus let go of his father's hand as he went to the cross and gave up his life for you. He lost hold of God the Father's hand so that we could be grasped by his hands for all eternity. Jesus died on a cross for the sins of all who will believe in him. And then he rose from the dead to give us the free gift of eternal life. You know, Jesus' power over death demands a response of real faith. Will you trust in him this morning? Will you give your life and your control and your plans to him? Will you confess your sins and your need for the Savior, Jesus? Will you trust in him in these uncertain times? And will you look to him not just for physical healing, but for eternal life? Let's take a moment and let's pray together to this saving son of God. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have made salvation available. Father, we thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. God, we pray for all those who don't know you yet. Father, that they might, even this morning, cry out to you, even as Jairus did, and say, Lord, help me. Would you bring salvation Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner and I need not just illness taken care of, I need my sin taken care of. I ask that my sins will be placed on the cross of Jesus and that his perfect righteousness might be placed on me. Save me. Father, we pray alongside of all of those this morning who do trust in you. God, that you would just renew our faith and our trust in you this morning. God, we look to you as the author and the perfecter of our faith, we pray all these things in Jesus' good name. Amen.